Chapter Thirteen of the Night Horseman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Night Horseman by Max Brand. Chapter Thirteen. The Three. The whistling came from behind the hotel, and although it ended as soon as he reached the veranda of the building, Buck Daniels hurried to the rear of the place. There were the long, low sheds of the barn. And behind these, he knew, must be the corrals. He raced around the corner of the shed, and there came to a halt, for he saw a thing that turned his blood to ice. One of those rare rains of the mountain desert had recently fallen, and the corrals behind the barn were carpeted with a short, thick grass. In the small corral nearest him, he beheld rolling on that carpet of grass. A great wolf, or a dog as large and as rough-coated as a wolf, and a man, and they were engaged in a desperate and silent struggle for mastery. Their movements were so lightning fast that Buck Daniels could not make out distinct forms from the tangle, but he saw the great white teeth of the wolf flash in the sun, one instant, and the next the man had whirled on top. It was Dan and Bart at play. No outcry from Dan, no growl from the wolf. Buck felt the old chill which never left him when he saw the fierce game of the wolf and the wolf man. All this passed in the twinkling of an eye, and then Dan, by a prodigious effort, had thrown the great beast away from him, so that Bart fell upon its back. Dan leaped with outstretched arms upon the fallen animal. And buried his clutching hands in the throat of the beast. Yet still there was a thrill to add to these, for now a black horse appeared in the picture, a miracle of slender, shimmering grace, and he rushed with flattened ears upon the two twisting, writhing, prostrate figures. His teeth were bared; he was more like a prodigious dog than a horse, and those teeth closed on the back of the man's neck. Or did they merely pinch his shirt? And then Dan was dragged bodily away from the wolf, and thrown through the air by a flirt of the stallion's head. Horrible! Buck Daniels shuddered, and then he grinned shamefacedly, in apology to himself. The three of them, he grunted, and stepped closer to the fence to watch. The instant the man was torn away by the intercession of the horse, the wolf regained its feet. And rushed upon him, but Dan had landed from his fall upon his feet with cat-like agility, and now he dodged the rush of the wolf, and the arrowy spring of the creature, and sprang in his turn towards the stallion. The black met his attack by rearing, his ears flattened, his teeth bared, his eyes terrible to behold. As the man raced close, the stallion struck with lightning hoofs, but the blow failed of its mark. By the breadth of a hair, and the assailant, swerving like a will-o'-the-wisp, darted to the side of the animal and leaped upon its back. At the same instant, the wolf left the ground, with terribly gaping mouth, in a spring for the rider. But Dan flattened himself along the shining back of his mount, and the wolf catapulted harmlessly past. After this failure, the wolf-dog seemed to desire no further active part in the struggle. But took up a position to one side, and there, 
with lolling tongue and red-stained eyes, watched the battle continue. The stallion, to be sure, kept up the conflict with a whole-hearted energy. Never had Buck Daniels, in a long and varied career, seen such wild pitching. The black leaped here and there, doubling about with the sinuous speed of a snake, springing high into the air one instant, and landing the next on stiff legs, dropping to the ground the next second, and rolling to crush the rider, up again like a leaf jerked up by a gale of wind, and so fierce the struggle continued, with the wild rider slapping the neck of the horse as if he would encourage it to more terrible efforts, and drumming its round barrel with vindictive heels. His hair blew black, his face flushed, and in his eyes there was the joy of the sailor, long land-bound, who climbs at last the tallest mast and feels it pitch beneath him and catches the sharp tang of the traveled wind. The struggle ceased as if in obedience to an inaudible command. From the full frenzy of motion, horse and man were suddenly moveless. Then Dan slipped from his seat and stood before his mount. At once the ears of the stallion, which had been flat back, pricked sharply forward. The eyes of the animal grew luminous and soft as the eyes of a woman, and he dropped the black velvet of his muzzle beneath the master's chin. As for Dan Barry, he rewarded this outburst of affection with no touch of his hand, but his lips moved, and he seemed to be whispering a secret to his horse. The wolf, in the meantime, had viewed this scene with growing unrest, and now it trotted up and placed itself at the side of the man. Receiving no attention in this position, it caught the arm of the man between its great fangs and drew his hands down. The stallion, angered by this interruption, raised a delicate forefoot to strike and was received with a terrific snarl, the first sound of the entire scene. Bart, said the man, and his voice was not raised or harsh, but came as softly as running water. If you ain't going to be a gentleman, I got to teach you manners. Get up on Satan's back and lie down till I tell you to get off. The wolf received this command with a snarl even more blood-curdling than before, but he obeyed, slinking sideways a reluctant pace or two, and then springing to the back of the stallion with a single bound. There he crouched, still snarling softly, until his master raised a significant forefinger. At that he lowered his head and maintained a fiercely observant silence. Dan called Buck Daniels. The other world. Speaking of pets, observed Buck Daniels, I heard tell once about a gent that had a tame lion. Which you got the outbeatingest pair I ever see, Dan. Gentle, ain't they? Like a stampede of cows. But Barry left this remark unanswered. He ran to the tall fence, placed his hand on the top rail, and vaulted lightly over it. Then he clasped the hand of the larger man, and his face lighted. Buck, he said, I've been sort of lonesome. It feels pretty good to see you again. Oh, man, answered Buck Daniels. Speaking of being lonesome, he checked himself. How about stepping inside and having a talk? The other started forward agreeably, but stopped almost at once. Heel, he called, without turning his head. Black Bart left the back of the stallion in a long bound that carried him halfway to the fence. 
His next leap brought him over the rail and beside his master. Buck Daniels moved back a step involuntarily. Bart, he said, do you know me? He stretched out his hand and was received with a sudden baring of the fangs. Nice dog, said Buck sarcastically. Regular house pet, ain't he? The other apparently missed the entire point of this remark. He said in his gentle, serious way, He used to be real wild, Buck, but now he don't mind people. He let the cook feed him a chunk of meat the other day. And you remember, he don't usually touch stuff that other men have handled. Yup, grunted Buck. Sure is disgusting to have a dog as tame as that. I bet he ain't killed another dog for a whole day, maybe. And still Barry saw no irony in this. He answered as gravely as before. No, it was the day before yesterday. Somebody come to town and got drunk. He had two dogs and sicked them on Bart. Buck Daniels controlled an incipient shudder. Both dead? I was inside the house, said Dan, sadly, and it took me a couple of seconds to get outside. Of course, by that time, Bart had cut their throats. Of course. Didn't a drunk guy try to pop Bart? Yes, he got out his gun, but Mr. O'Brien, the bartender, persuaded him out of it. I was glad there wasn't no trouble. My God, exclaimed Buck Daniels, and then, well, let's go inside. We'll take your man-eater dog along if you want to. A shadow came into the eyes of Barry. Can't we just talk out here? What's the matter with finding some chairs? Because I don't like to get inside walls. You know how four walls seem like so many pairs of eyes standing round you. No, said Buck bluntly. I don't know nothing of the kind. What do you mean? I don't know, answered Barry, depressed. It just seems that way. Ain't you noticed how sort of close it is in a house? Hard to breathe? Like you had on a shirt too small for you. We'll stay out here, then. The other nodded, smiled, and made a gesture to the dog behind him. Black Bart crouched on the ground, and Dan Barry sat down cross-legged, his shoulders leaning against the shaggy pelt of Bart. Daniels followed the example with less grace. He was thinking very hard and fast, and he rolled a Durham cigarette to fill the interlude. "'I suppose you're busting to find out the news about the folks,' he said dryly at last." The other sat with his hands loosely clasped in his lap. His wide eyes looked far away, and there was about his lips that looseness, that lack of compression, which one sees so often in children. He might have sat in that posture for the statue of thoughtlessness. "'What folks?' he asked at last. Buck Daniels had lighted a match, but now he sat staring blank until the match burned down to his fingers. With an oath, he tossed the remnant away and lighted another. He had drawn down several long breaths of smoke to the bottom of his lungs before he could speak again. Some people you used to know. I suppose you've forgotten all about them, eh? His eyes narrowed. There was a spark of something akin to dread in them. Kate Cumberland, he queried. A light came in the face of Dan Barry. Kate Cumberland, he repeated. How is she, Buck? Lately, I've been thinking about her every day. A trembling took the body and the voice of Daniels. His errand, after all, might meet some success. Kate, he repeated. 
Oh, aye, she's well enough. But Joe Cumberland ain't. No. He's dying, Dan. And Dan replied calmly, He's kind of old, I suppose. Old, said Buck, with a sort of horror. Yes, he's old right enough. Do you know why he's dying? It's because you went away the way you done, Dan. That's what's killing him. Something of thought came into the face of Barry. Maybe I understand, he said slowly. If I was to lose Satan or Bart, here the great dog whined at the mention of his name, and Barry dropped the slender hand across the scarred forehead of his servant. If I was to lose him, I'd sort of mourn for him, maybe. Buck Daniels set his teeth. I don't suppose it seems possible, he said, that a man could miss another man the way you could miss your dog, eh? But it is. Joe Cumberland is dying for you, Dan, as sure as you've put a bullet in his bowels. The other hesitated, and then frowned, and made a gesture of vague dismissal. Don't you figure on doing nothing about it? asked Buck softly. What could I do? My God Almighty, ain't you got no human feelings? I don't know what you mean, said the soft voice. This. Can't you get on your hoss and ride back with me to Cumberland Ranch? Stay with the old man till he gets back on his feet. Ain't that easy to do? Is your time so damn valuable you can't spare a few days for that? But I am going back, answered Dan, in a rather hurt voice. There ain't no need for cussing me, Buck. I've been thinking of Kate every day almost. Since when? I don't know, Dan stirred uneasily. He looked up and far above Buck, following the direction of Dan's eyes, and saw a pattern of wild geese. I've been sort of drifting north toward the Cumberland Ranch and Kate, went on Dan. He sighed. I've been thinking of her eyes, which is blue, Buck, and her hair and the soft sound of her voice. They've been hanging in my ears, staying behind my eyes lately, and I've been drifting up that way, steady. Why, man, cried Buck, what's there to keep you here? Jump on your hoss and we'll head north in ten minutes. I will, said Dan, full as eagerly. We'll start full speed. Come on, then. Wait a minute, said Dan, his voice growing suddenly cold. I've been forgetting something. Buck Daniels turned and found his companion strangely changed. There was a set expression of coldness about his face and a chill glitter in his eyes. I got to wait here for something. What's that? There's a man in town that may want to see me. Mac Strand, I've heard about him. Dan, are you going to let Joe Cumberland die because you want to stay here and fight it out with a dirty cutthroat? I don't want to fight, protested Barry. No, there ain't nothing I like less than fighting. Buck Daniels cursed softly and continuously to himself. Dan, he said, can you sit there and lie to me like that? Ain't I seen you in action? Don't I remember the way you trailed Jim Silent? Don't I remember how we all got down and prayed you'd keep away from Jim? Don't I remember how you threw everything to hell so you could get your hands on Jim? My God Almighty, man, didn't I see your face when you had your fingers in Silent's throat? An expression of unutterable revulsion rippled over the face of Dan Barry. Stop, he commanded softly, and raised his slender hand. Don't keep on talking about it. It makes me sick all through. Oh, Buck, there's a tingle in the tips of my fingers still from the time I had him 
in his throat. And it makes me feel unclean, the sort of uncleanness that won't wash out with no kind of soap and water. Buck, I'd most rather die myself than fight a man. A vast amazement overspread the countenance of Buck Daniels as he listened to this outburst. It was as if he had heard a healthy man proclaim that he had no desire for bread and meat. Something rose to his lips, but he swallowed it. "'Then it looks kind of simple to me,' he said. "'You hate fightin'? "'This gent Mac Strand likes it. "'He lives on it. "'He don't do nothing but wait from day to day, "'hungerin' for a scrap. "'What's that out?' "'Just this. "'You hop on your horse and ride out with me. "'Young Jerry Strand kicks out. "'Mac Strand starts lookin' for you. "'He hears that you've beat it. "'He goes off and forgets about you. "'Ain't that simple?' The old uneasiness returned to the far-seeing eyes of Dan Barry. "'I don't know,' he said. "'Maybe.' Then he paused again. "'Have you got anything to say again it?' urged Buck, arguing desperately. "'I don't know,' repeated Barry, confused. "'Except that I keep thinking what a terrible disappointment it will be to this Max Stran when his brother dies and I ain't around.' Buck Daniels stared, blinked, and then burst into unmelodious laughter. Satan trotted across the corral and raised his head above the fence, whinnying softly. Barry turned his head and smiled up to the horse. Then he said, Seems like if Jerry Strand dies, I owe somebody something. Who? Max Strand, I reckon. I sort of got to stay and give him his chance. I hope to God, burst out Daniel, smashing his hands together, that Max Strand beats you to a pulp. That's what I hope. The eyes of Dan Barry widened. "'Why do you hope that?' he asked gently. It brought Daniels again to speechlessness. "'Is it possibly?' growled to himself. "'Are you a human being, and yet you think more of your horse and your damn wolf-dog than you do of the life of a man? Dan, I'm asking you straight. Is that a square thing to do?' The fragile hands went out to him, palm up. "'Don't you see, Buck?' I don't want to be this way. I just can't help it. Then the Lord help poor old Joe Cumberland, him that took you in out of the desert, him that raised you from the time you was a kid, him that nursed you like you was his own baby, him that loved you more than he loved Kate, him that's lying back there now with fire in his eyes, waiting, waiting, waiting for you to come back. Dan, if you was to see him, you'd go down on your knees and ask him to forgive you. I suppose I would, murmured Barry thoughtfully. "'Dan, you're going with me. "'I don't somehow think it's my time for moving, Buck. "'Is that all you got to say to me?' "'I guess maybe it is, Buck. "'If I was to beg you to come for old time's sake "'and all we've been through together, you and me, "'wouldn't it make no difference to you?' "'The large, gentle eyes focused far beyond Buck Daniels, "'somewhere on a point in the pale, hazy blue of the spring sky. "'I'm kind of tired of talking, Buck,' he said at length. And Buck Daniels rose and walked slowly away, with his head fallen. Behind him, the stallion neighed suddenly and loud, and it was so much like a blast of defiant triumph that Buck whirled and shook his clenched fist at Satan. End of chapter 13